Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 32 of the Coca Chronicles podcast. On today's episode, I was once again joined by University of Northern Colorado play-by-play man extraordinaire Tyler Henry to talk about this weekend's Final Four. We broke down all four teams, uh, Baylor, Gonzaga, Houston, UCLA, and basically talked a lot about why Gonzaga should become the national champions this year in a walk. So without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Tyler. All right, the one and only Tyler Henry is back. Um, and we were just talking before we started the podcast that you were just really excited to be back on the Cokie Chronicles podcast. So welcome back. Absolutely. Great to be here as always. Uh, yeah, just uh, just good to be here. Good to be here here on a, uh, I don't even know what day it is, but whatever day it is, it's good to be it's here. It's Thursday. It's opening it Thursday. day, Tyler. We're, we're, we're taking time out of opening day for this. <laughs> It snuck up on me. Like I've got the I've got the Royals game chilling in the background, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. I saw Miguel Cabrera hit a home run in the snow today, and I was like, oh, that's today. Like, wow, that snuck up on me. There's there's too much going on in sports right now. I can't keep up. Yeah, it did sneak up on me too. So I don't totally blame you that you kind of forgot today, but uh, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we're gonna figure it out. But we're not My talking team is about also baseball not a right now. <laughs> We've done seven po- baseball podcasts in the last like six weeks, so I, we're not actually talking about baseball for this podcast. No. Oh, to be fair, I had this really cool idea for my podcast. I was gonna have uh, 30, 30 fans of thirty teams, and I was gonna have each of them give me uh, their their team season in one minute. And uh, I just, I had no time. I didn't get a single one of them done. We're doing a catch-up episode tomorrow. So I feel you on that. It's uh, it's, it's overwhelming, overwhelming for sure. Yeah, it, it's a lot. Um, but we got all, you know, we got all the divisional previews in. We got MLB over-unders, which is out right now, came out today. Um, but uh, we're going to be talking about March Madness here because I am probably definitely a minute or two late to this. But, you know, life is busy. Uh, this is my podcast, my schedule, my rules, like I like to say. Um, but so... We're going to be talking about the final four because now we have our four final teams and I'd say two of them aren't a big surprise. One of them is a slight surprise and the other is a total shock. Um, and that total shock is UCLA who defeated Michigan to get to the, on their way to the final four. So I do want to sort of start our conversation off with their victory and their path and more importantly, their path to um, the final four as originally being a play-in team in the first four. So, I mean, just to start things off, Tyler, like what are your thoughts on just how shocking of a run it's been for UCLA? And we can even get into this conversation a little bit with the Pac-12 as well. Yeah, I think that, look, I I personally am an outspoken critic of the first four. I'm not a big fan. I think it's kind of just a cash grab by the NCAA. But I think after this point, you can no longer point at it and say that, look, these teams – you know, some of them don't deserve to make the tournament because granted, yeah, it was a battle between two 11 seeds, but I didn't think UCLA was going to get past Michigan State. And then you turn around and you see this run that they've gone on. It's It's been so fun to watch. And these are the these are the things that make March Madness fun. Uh, I, I do want to talk about not only their win over, um, again, just the their path to get here, some of the teams they've knocked off, including Michigan earlier this week. But before I do, I think it's worth noting to the general public, Koki Riley and I had to go before the uh, the Council of Podcasts and uh, renew our credentials before we were allowed to talk about March Madness. Koki, I wasn't going to let you off the hook. We messed up big last week, my friend. That was that that is easily the worst run of picks we have ever made on anything we have done together in our entire lives. That was an L. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we. What did we go three for eight last week? We went. We went a hot three for eight last week. We picked Oregon and they got smacked. 
Um, we like, picked Gonzaga doesn't even count. Like the Gonzaga pick was such a given, and the Baylor pick was also kind of such a given. But beyond that, like we literally missed everything. We picked yeah. Loyola Chicago over Oregon State. We picked Syracuse over Houston. We picked Alabama over UCLA. We picked Florida State over Michigan. We picked <laughs> Oregon over USC. We, I mean, we we could not have messed this up any worse if we had tried. It's like the Miles Morales thing. Like if we had tried to get every pick wrong, we would have done better than we actually did. That was a crying shame. Oh man! Yeah. But no, back, back to back to your original point. I mean, talking about again the Pac-12, the dominant conference. Uh, back the freaking pack. It's been it's been such a blessing to see what some of these teams have done. I mean, Oregon State's run was fun, but UCLA's still in it. Unfortunately, they're not on the other side of the bracket. I don't really think they have a prayer in this game. Um, this Gonzaga team is just too much of a buzzsaw. But, you know, a fun season for UCLA. And look, if there's one team that's just kind of doing what they need to do to win, it's UCLA. So you never know. Maybe Gonzaga has a slow shooting night, but, man, they are going to have to run the gauntlet um, if they're going to have a prayer against one of the best teams college basketball has seen since Villanova a couple years ago. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about Gonzaga next. Um, but – with this UCLA team, I'm just happy for Mick Cronin. And, you know, he was, what, like the 18th choice to be UCLA's head coach. But, you know what, he got the job, and he's gotten this team to the Final Four in just his second full season in charge. It's it's really been an incredible run for the UCLA team that, you know, lost its star point guard to the G League, a freshman point guard to the G League, a team that lost its best player in, early, in the early part of the season, Chris Smith. And here they are in the final four, regardless. And I mean, Mick Cron's a heck of a coach. And, and I thought they were going to get blown out by Alabama. I think we both did. Right. And yeah, I, I said, I think I said, I said, this might be the most other than, other than again, insert game Gonzaga is playing in here. I, I said, this might be the most lopsided game on the schedule and UCLA came out and to their credit, they did what they needed to do. I think it's also kind of cool to see one of the historical powerhouses. You know, again, you, you see UCLA makes the final four. It's the first time since, what, 2007, I believe, 2008. And you, you see all the accolades that come with that, the, the number of final fours that they've been to. You look at the championship banners that they have. Like, this is a team that has a proud history. And I think much like what we saw a little bit out of Syracuse this year, you know, it you want to see the Cinderella story. You want to see the the small upstart team make it, but it's also kind of cool to see some of these historic blue bloods that have really fallen off kind of return to that form. And look, I don't know if Cronin's the guy to keep them there long-term. They've got a lot to deal with in the, in the PAC 12, but this is a team that I think is certainly trending in the right direction with the coaching that they have. And I think if they can continue to recruit, well, I, I wouldn't put it past them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the Johnny Juzang show, man. You know, uh, John Calipari always knew he was going to be this great, great player. And, you know, he should have played him more. And instead they let him go off to UCLA. And here he is the best, he was the best player in the lead eight game and best player on a team that made the final four. Yeah. And I think, man, I, UCLA, man, I, the three at the buzzer, I thought might've had a shot. I, man, this, the entire sequence leading up to overtime, that is, that is why we watch March Madness. Like that was a blast. And then the way this team just took over in overtime, I mean, what a, what a phenomenal run again, like you mentioned for this team, but you know, we've, we've been kind of teasing it a little bit here. This is not the side of the bracket that you want to be on. If you're trying to make a run at this national championship. No, no, that the, the East and Midwest this year were just like, you know, like the, the burning Elmo meme the whole time. I mean, Oregon <laughs> State made the final, made the Elite Eight. 
uh, UCLA made the final four. I mean, there was just upset city right, left and center. Illinois loses in the second round. Um, I mean, Rutgers, uh, Rutgers probably should have beat Houston the second mm-hmm. round and Houston it was still able to um, scratch out a final four appearance even after that. So it's, yeah, it's uh, that whole bottom of the bracket. If you're looking at it from like the ESPN, like larger uh, part of point of view, right. Is just like, like a, like a burning tire on the side of the street, man. Like it's, it's, it is, it, it is wild. Um, yeah. But so- two years ago, man, two years ago, I had one of the last remaining perfect brackets. Like I was in that top two percentile um, that still had a perfect bracket going into the last game of day three or day two, day two, last game of day two. And this year <laughs> my bracket was just absolutely gone from the first day i was like man it's gonna be one of those years did you, pick, did you pick virginia tech in that first game yeah i uh, started off this is the first eight. time i've started over one in like six years dude i was i was so upset i, I was had crazy. a nice four and oh start and then ohio state lost <laughs> yeah that well join the club join the club. oral roberts didn't exactly help a lot of people out this year when it and came oral roberts well. almost made the elite eight i mean i know for, a three at the buzzer away from beating Arkansas. Who would have thought? And that, thought? that that shot almost went in. And uh, it was really an incredible run for them. I mean, the shots to Max Amos, shouts to their scoring ability as a team. I, I mean, the fact that they got off to such a hot start in the beginning of that game without relying on their two best players quite as much was a really good sign for them moving forward. Um, and then Arkansas did, did, did mount that little bit of a comeback. And pulled it out, just pulled it out in the end, but didn't, didn't matter. And didn't end up mattering, mattering really at all. Baylor handled Arkansas in the elite eight. And uh, now we have Baylor in the final four. We've, and then we going up against Houston, who I mentioned earlier. And then Gonzaga, of course, against UCLA. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, let's talk about Gonzaga a little bit here. Um, I, if they win the next two games handedly, are they the greatest college basketball team of all time? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I There's only one other team that I can remember being this good, and that is that Villanova team from a couple of years ago. And I, I really think it's closer than people give them credit for. I think a little bit of recency bias starts to creep into this when you're talking about the, the comparison between the two. But, dude, it's it's close. That I mean, Villanova you're, you're talking about – I think though. the big thing well, – and that's the thing, the undefeated the, – the complete undefeated sweep of a season and I think more importantly the fact that they've had to do it against some of the better teams – in their portion of the bracket. You know, sometimes you look at a one seeds path and you're like, okay, well, they got a little bit lucky. You know, they, they've played some really tough opponents. So, you know, I, I think that it's certainly, there's a case to be made, but I don't know, man. I still, if they play Baylor in the final, I still think we're going to get a good national championship game. Mm-hmm. I, I still think that that is on the table there. They didn't play the two to three and the four. No, no. But to be fair, but, the three was Kansas, so that doesn't matter because this year's <laughs> Jayhawk team sucked. Like if they played the three, I would have given them less credit than if they had played USC. So okay. you know, whatever. But like, yeah, you're right. They they didn't have to play Iowa, um, because Baylor but they beat Iowa week. in the regular season. But they like, right, like so it doesn't here's matter. the thing: like they've beaten. Yeah. So in their either in the regular season or in the tournament, they have beaten the eight seed, the five seed, the four seed, the three seed, the two seed, the the and the six seed they've beaten them all right i think the worst thing that can happen for the legacy of this team is that they they come out and they absolutely annihilate ucla which is certainly a possibility 
And then yeah. instead of that Baylor team, they play Houston and they roll them by 30. And people try to look back at it and go, well, they didn't have to play Iowa. They didn't have to play Baylor. It's like, shut up. Look at like they rolled everyone they played. You get to March Madness. You don't do that unless you are head and shoulders above the team you're playing. And that's just that's been the case for Gonzaga all season. Well, was it the 1990 or the 1991 UNLV team that went undefeated the whole way and destroyed everybody until they lost the national championship game? Like, that's the worst case scenario, you know? Yeah, that like would also Houston mm, or something, right? In the national that'd be that'd be pretty brutal. Yeah, you lose to yeah, you lose to Houston, it's over. You lose to Baylor, it's respectable. I mean, I you know Baylor Baylor. The only reason they have losses on their schedule is because of COVID, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, um, of course, you can't be the GOAT team if you don't win the national championship. No, of course not. No, you have to win. Yeah, you have to win the tournament. But I, I just am saying, like, this team could become UNLV again if they lose to Baylor or Houston. Certainly the on the table. Then because, like, I, I assuming that Gonzaga is going to roll UCLA, and I think we have talked a decent about a, a decent bit about UCLA already. So assuming that they roll roll over UCLA, then they're then they're going up against Houston and Baylor, two teams that. I think are really interesting matchups against them. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I'd love Depending to. Depending on who um, they face. Uh, yeah. The so, I mean, obviously, like, and, and look, it's also worth noting now that we have said Gonzaga is going to rule UCLA, UCLA is going to win this game by 30. Um, so just be ready for that. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's interesting because you have, you have a Baylor team that I think because of their ability to shoot the three at a 40% clip, which does not happen in college they can stay in a game with anybody. Like, I think that, I think that's the fun national championship game that I think I'm really hoping that we get um, because it could be high scoring. It could be hectic. It could be crazy. I think we've also seen Baylor tighten the clamps on defense a little bit more. Yeah. Whereas with Houston, you have a team that is very role oriented. They are very much, they're going to try to take away what you do well. Um, I think also one of the, one of the storylines, we'll have a chance to talk about it here in a bit, dude, the Kelvin Sampson angle makes this really interesting as well. Because mm. Kelvin Sampson, if you'll remember, I mean, this is a this is a head coach that was coaching at some of the most prestigious universities in the country. He got hit with recruiting violations that are no longer deemed illegal. Like if he was doing the things today that he was caught for back then, it wouldn't be a problem. He has a chance in the same way that Robert Kraft and the Patriots have to kind of stick it to the NCAA a little bit. You know, when he when he gets handed the trophy, if, if they find a way to do it. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be the chip on the shoulder that he's taken off and, and exchanging for the trophy. But but again, back back to the the action on the floor. I think Houston does create some interesting matchups. I also just don't think they have the talent though, even with Quentin Grimes, even I, with all the post players that they have. I don't know that they could hang with a team like Gonzaga the way that I trust Baylor to keep that game close. Of course, yeah. But I think the thing with Houston that that kind of throws a wrench into this whole scenario and gives them a chance. I think against Baylor and. Um, Gonzaga, even though I don't even like this Houston team very much, is that they're so such a good offensive rebounding team, and they're so ferocious on the boards that they seem. It seems like to me that their athletic, their pure athleticism, and even, despite the fact that they lack skill, gives them a chance because they get so many extra possessions through this through their offensive rebounding. And I mean, Gonzaga is not a great rebounding team. They're they're fine. Um, Baylor's a smaller team, even though Baylor does have the athletes to match up against against a team like Houston right but I, I think if Houston creates so many extra possessions for themselves themselves against both those teams they might actually have a chance which which sounds crazy but I mean that's how they've been able to it's been how they've been able to come back in games even when they haven't shot the ball well at all like they, like that game against Rutgers for example or if you watch the Oregon State game like that's how they got up to that big lead is they just kept on mm -hmm. getting their own offensive rebounds again and again and again and I mean 
there's good offensive rebounding teams, and then there's Houston. I mean, Houston's a team that will that will like that will crash the boards with four guys, and it's it's really and and it's really it's really scary because all four of those guys are uber athletes, yeah. and you, you got to give this team a lot of respect. They have a lot of hardworking, um, blue collared players, even though they're excellent athletes. But it's it's just, and I and I have like a lot of respect for. Um, I just have a lot of respect for that team because I thought they would actually lose the Rutgers in the second round. And here they are. I, I didn't think they would lose to, I mean, granted, I, during the game, I thought they would lose to Rutgers going into it. I thought, I thought that they were going to be able to handle their business. I think the thing that, the thing that concerns me with that offensive, that tenacious offensive rebounding, there are times when teams are good in transition that if you send three guys to crash the glass and you don't get that board, it's going the other way and it's going the other way quickly. And that's something I could see Gonzaga coming up and, and really kind of taking advantage of. But that being said, I do think it's worth noting. And again, I always, I, you know me, Koki, I love to refer to Vegas. What do you think the line is on this game? Have you seen it on this? On no, this I Baylor? haven't seen it. What is you it? Want to take a guess. What do you think the line is on Baylor Houston? Um, Baylor's favored, of course. Baylor by like 10 points or something like that. Baylor minus four. Ooh. And Vegas giving that kind of respect to Houston, that gives me more confidence than anything in their ability to be a top caliber team. And plus that they have, you know, the, the coaching of Kelvin Sampson. Also, just for fun, you want to take a guess at the uh, the UCLA line? Oh, is it like Gonzaga by like 15 or something? Yeah, it's Gonzaga 13 and a half. And that's probably <laughs> generous. That, that feels like safe money to me. Um, but no, I, I agree with you. I think Houston can make it interesting. I just, I still think that Baylor would create more of an interesting national championship game. And the, there's one thing we hate. It's a low scoring national championship game. Like you remember back to uh, what year was it? It was the Butler Yukon, I believe it was final that ended with like fewer points than any other national championship game since like the seventies. It was just Butler a got blown out one year. Yeah, um, it was that year. It was like a, it was like a twenty-one point win for UConn. Neither team went over forty-five. Like North Carolina or something like that. I think North Carolina like killed them. I, I don't remember. I don't know. Like, but 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 the but, point point being, I you know me, I like my high-scoring basketball when I can get it, which at the college level is not all the time. Um, and I just I think Baylor does create some more interesting mismatches and and can kind of hang with a team like Gonzaga. Baylor Gonzaga. Let's talk about that even more in depth because I think that's what we're probably gonna get. I mean, we got to talk about Baylor Houston first. We haven't yeah, even touched yeah, that matchup yet. Oh, for sure, for sure. Let, you know, let's talk about Baylor Houston. Actually, you know, let, let's let's take a step back. Talk about Baylor and Houston. Um, I again, that offensive rebounding is worrying against that Baylor team. Isn't very big. They're not. Well, here's like, the thing: the they're league. not very big, and they also don't. So this is this is where it really. I think it's a crapshoot because you've got a lot of guys on the perimeter. So when Houston puts three guys in to try to get that rebound on defense, it's going to be hard for you to get the ball back. But when you're talking about those offensive rebounds, that's something I think Houston really might make this intriguing with because yeah. I don't know. I, I think you're right. I think Baylor's undersized. I think they're outmatched underneath. Um, the question is, can they shoot enough threes to where it doesn't matter? I don't know. But but I think I lean towards yes because they look at. a lot better. They look like the team that was undefeated for the majority of the season right now. Um, yeah. The way they're moving, their ball movement's been amazing. I mean, the way Flagler is his hitting shots and he's like the fourth guard on this team. Uh, I mean, Meyer in the corner, it's, it's, it's deadly. Their three point shooting is deadly. They have a whole bunch of dudes who can create their own shot. Jared Butler, Macy OT, just go down the line. Davion Mitchell. I love this team and they, they're awesome defensively. They're tenacious on the perimeter and they, and I have trouble seeing 
uh, Houston scoring too much in this game. But again, that offensive rebounding factor is when it was where it might get a little bit dicey. So that's what I think that's what's going to give Houston a chance. If they get so many extra possessions, say they get like 20 more extra possessions, which doesn't, which actually, which sounds crazy, but I don't think it's unrealistic at all. If that's the case, then they have a real chance in this game, you know, but if they're not dominating the game in the offensive glass, it's going to be trouble for me, at least seeing them to win this game, despite the fact that they're, even though Houston themselves are a pretty good defensive team. Yeah, Houston is a good defensive team. I don't think Houston has been tested yet in the way that they're going to be tested against Baylor, obviously from a talent standpoint, but also just from a standpoint of like the teams they've played have not been the elite three point shooting teams. They haven't they haven't played like a Colgate or even even the lower seeded teams like Colgate that shoot a lot of threes. Mm -hmm. They have played a lot of teams that like to be frustrated. They like to get on the glass. I think that's why we've seen some closer games. The Rutgers game definitely comes to mind. Yeah, Um, I just I don't know, man, I I. I'm a little biased again, because I, I worked in the AAC this year. I covered Houston to a degree. I did a couple of coaches shows for them. And I, I did watch, you know, again, two games when they played against Tulane, a team that likes to take it out on the perimeter. And obviously Tulane is not, they were not that great this year, but the way that Houston was able to get out on the perimeter and smother shooters. The fact that I think at one point Tulane was shooting one for 18 to start the game because Houston just would not let them do anything. And I just don't know that Baylor has another trick in their arsenal. They're a, they're a three point shooting team. They spread it around. They move the ball. Well, but if Houston's just going to camp four guys on the perimeter and outdo you with size underneath, I think Houston might have a chance in this game. I think that a four point line tells me that. And I think that, you know, again, what I've seen from this Cougars team tells me that. So this look, I would love for it to be Baylor Gonzaga. I think that is the more likely scenario, but I wouldn't be shocked if Houston comes in and handles their business here. I Kind of agree with you, um, but I do want to make the anti-Houston case here for a second. So sure. here's their here's their uh, journey so far to the Final Four. Hmm. Um, here was their journey to the Final Four. So they beat, they destroy Cleveland State. They're mm-hmm. a 15 seed. That's fine. Um, they barely beat Rutgers. They beat them by three in a game where they were down by 15 in the second half. Um, then they they destroy a Syracuse team that you know credits Syracuse but they're still they still were an 11 seed and then they beat an Oregon State team by six and again Oregon State was a 12 seed so they really haven't they haven't played a, a, a below double digit seed yet um on their path to the tournament and most of the games and half of the games that they played have been at least fairly close and they probably should have lost in the second round so my question is when they're going up against a Baylor team, which is at, who, who I think is at least the second best team in the country, then like, I, that's, that's, that's a whole different beast, right? Don't you have to be worried if you're a Baylor, if you're a Houston fan, then just, just yes. based on the competition. The, and I think my biggest, con- my biggest concern is that you, you can't even just look at the tournament. You have to go back to a very weak American conference this year. Not great. You yeah. know how many other teams in the American were ranked this year? Zero. One, two. There were no other ranked teams. It was Houston, who was between second and sixth in the country, and then it was nobody. I mean, you look at the other teams that are usually up there. Wichita State struggled this year. They were Mostly up because and down. of coaching. Wichita State was very up and down. Memphis struggled this year. Uh, some of the other schools the NIT. Yeah, no, of course, of course. But like this, I, this was just, this was not the kind of year in the AAC where I, I don't know that Houston is seasoned. Um, 
I think they have the right mentality. I think they have the right personnel. And I think yeah. that athletically they can match up with Baylor. But man, we've seen this time and time again with some of the teams from these smaller conferences. This is something that I've hated about Gonzaga in previous years. You remember, I'm, a, I'm usually a Gonzaga critic. I'm like, dude, they didn't, they didn't play anybody. They're a three seed. They're going to get clapped. And then they choke. This year's Gonzaga team is much different. But dude, you look at Houston, there's a chance they get out on the floor with Baylor and they just feel lost because Baylor played in a big 12 that was very good this year. And they've played a tougher road to get to the final four this year. So again, I, I don't hate the idea that Houston might come out and do it, but if this is going to be a blowout, it's not going to be the Cougars way. It's going to be the bears way. This is, if it's going to be a blowout, it's going to be Baylor by 15, not, not, not this Houston team because of that. Yeah. I know Baylor only beat Arkansas by nine points, but if you watch the game, it wasn't nine points. <laughs> they, they handled that Arkansas team. That's a really good Arkansas team with a lot yeah. of good athletes. It's a great scoring team. Um, I, I guess you could think if there was a team that could maybe break Baylor's perimeter pressure defensively, it would have been that really awesome perimeter offense that uh, Arkansas has, and they just didn't really compete that much in that the game. Thing that, the thing that sucks about Baylor is that you can feel like you've got them, and you, you can feel like you've got them right where you want them. You get two steal and scores, you're feeling good, you take a lead. The next thing you know, you look down, you look up at the scoreboard, they're up by 12. I mean, this, this is a Baylor team that will just, they will wear you down defensively. And on the offensive end, man, when they start feeling it and they start trusting each other, and one of them is going to get it going because they have four guys at that least. are capable of <laughs> raining threes. So when at one least. or two of them gets going and the other guys start hitting shots, it's over. And we've yeah. seen that a couple of times. You mentioned this Baylor team. They look like the same Baylor team that was undefeated. They're good at basketball this year. And yeah. it's, it's just one of those things where, man, when they, when they feel it and when they're getting into a rhythm and they've only gotten better throughout the course of the tournament, that's the other thing that I think is important to remember. They had the COVID, they had the COVID cancellations. They were a little shaky at the end of the year. The more these guys play together, the more they look like that Baylor team of old. And, oh, that is a dangerous team to have out on the floor. And they're kind of similar to Houston in that they play with energy. They play with a lot of energy. Scott Drew is very, very – animated on the sidelines as is Kelvin Sampson it's gonna be a fun game to watch I, I think Houston Baylor is a really fascinating matchup and a really fun game to watch and I, I'm just in on this game in general and I'm definitely gonna be watching on Saturday uh as for UCLA versus Gonzaga that could get ugly that that's one of those that I'll uh, I'll check the score and if UCLA is keeping it interesting I'll turn it on with like 15 minutes to go but if it's like oh look Gonzaga if I get that if I get the March Madness app alert and it's like Gonzaga handling their business up by 30 heading into the last 10 minutes I'm like all right well don't need to waste my time with it I Gonzaga is still the only team in the tournament I have not watched a single game really I like mostly because I haven't had a chance to but when they're on and someone else is on and I'm like I'm looking at the matchup and I'm like well I know how this ends like you know what I mean Gonzaga is just going to do their thing but that's unbelievable. Um, think about that they beat they've beaten the Seeds two through six, either in the regular season or in the tournament. Yep. <laughs> like, what are the chances? And they beat the eight seed too. They they the only they didn't beat Oregon just because they hadn't played. They didn't, weren't able to play them during the regular season or with the tournament. So it's, it's just unbelievable. It's been Gonzaga and maybe Baylor against the field since the beginning of the season, and that that hasn't changed. It's so. Gonzaga versus the field. It's still Gonzaga versus the field. It, you I know mean, what I mean? Whipped, Baylor's still kind of like a, Iowa. They whipped them during the regular season. They whipped them. They whipped Kansas. And they whipped them. 
Yeah, and they whipped they whipped Iowa in a season in which they hadn't really played anybody else. Like it wasn't even like the they weren't like in a tournament where they played a bunch of great teams and then they showed up and played Iowa. Yeah, no, they, came like in, they came in and they were like, oh, you're conference the, game. Yeah. They're like, oh, you're one of the best teams in the con in the country. Okay. Well, we're gonna beat you by 20 and you're gonna go home and you're gonna like it. I mean, that's that's just what they do to people this year. They're ridiculous. Yeah, it is insane. Um Gonzaga is an incredible team. It's Gonzaga against the field. They're one of the most efficient basketball teams of all time. They're a top 10 defensive team, huge for in terms of defensive efficiency. Um, they have three first, they have three guys, they have three NBA level talents who should be in the NBA right now. They have a top, they have a lot, they have a top, top lottery pick, arguably two, two lottery picks on their team. I love Corey Kisper. I think he's going to be the next Joe Harris. I love Jalen Suggs moving forward. I, I think he's going to be an awesome, awesome guard in the league. Um, I mean, I, I eat in the perimeter as well. Uh, they have, I mean, I, I love how they play with a tight rotate rotation. I mean, Andrew Nemhard, like adding arguably Florida's best player to just this team. is just like, like, what are we doing here? Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's already it's, stacked. It's team. Dirty, like, man. like it, this is, not only the greatest Gonzaga team of all time, but they may they may just end up being the greatest basketball team ever by the end of this tournament. There's a real chance. I yeah, honestly no. have a real chance. Fair enough. I look, man, and again, this is the only other thing that I'm gonna say, and I have to get this comment in because I just I have to. Um there there is still there is still a chance that a member of that uh that number one overall no tournament season Kansas Jayhawks basketball team gets a gets a championship ring this season. That's all I'm saying. There's one remaining bastion of hope for that. It's very slim, but uh, man, if Quentin Grimes got a ring, I'd be very happy, but man, yeah. it probably won't happen. <laughs> if they beat UCLA by 30 and they beat Baylor by 20, then we might have to call them the goat team. I'm telling you right now, I'm just putting everyone on alert for, for a moment here because I, the only, the last team to go undefeated throughout the whole season and win the national championship game was the 1980 Indiana team. But I don't know, like, I, I'd have to like dive into those numbers more to like really make sure and to go into some of those John Wooden teams as well. So I know they had the undefeated streak. Remember that? And then UConn mm-hmm. broke the UConn women's team broke the streak. Um, but like, man, like this Gonzaga team, it's, it's the best college basketball team that I've ever seen. Yeah. Let me, let me give you one little tidbit on that, on that undefeated team, just to put things in perspective a little bit. So that, that Indiana team that went undefeated their tournament run, they won by 20, they won by 13, they won by 9, they won by 11, and in the championship game, they won by 22. Like, they just destroyed everybody. That's pretty good. So, you know, yeah, again, you also have to remember that maybe there wasn't as deep a talent pool, but it's it's hard to compare errors, man, especially in basketball yeah. at any level, so... It would but, be the know, greatest basketball. It would be the greatest college basketball team of the modern era, though. Oh, like it's for a modern sure. era, modern era for sure. Because that Villanova team lost a couple of games. I mean, and the post you know, of the of the that uh, like Indiana might be the greatest team of the pre shot clock era, but the post shot clock era. Yeah. If Gonzaga wipes the floor, they're the greatest team of the post shot clock era of college basketball history. I wish, I wish, I wish we could have seen them play Iowa, and I 
do kind of wish that they would have gotten like maybe Michigan with like livers or yeah, you know, something like that. Yeah. But but like at the look at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It but really beat, for the legacy, they, it they doesn't really Baylor, who cares? You know what I mean? Oh, no, like, if they beat Baylor, yeah, if they beat Baylor, it doesn't matter. If they be look, if they're if their final four run is they go through UCLA and then they get Houston and Houston comes out and lays an egg, people are gonna, you know, the, those people are gonna be on Twitter like, yeah. well, but no, you're right. If they beat Baylor by any margin, it doesn't matter. Like they whip Baylor. I'm with you there. Not even close. If they beat Baylor by three, I don't think it's close. You know what I mean? Like if they beat Baylor in the national championship game, yeah. I think they deserve to be. Co- They're undefeated. No one else has done that since the seventy or since yeah. the seventies. They've lost. They've won one game by single digits this year. They've won <laughs> one game by single digits this year, and it was against West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, and Suggs actually got hurt during the game, but and came back for I believe I watched that game. But he came back, and I think in the second half. Um, that was scary. It looked like he tore his Achilles and mm-hmm. I got really, really sad uh, for a second there, but he came back and he's been fine ever since. And they've been fine ever since. And they were down double digits to Utah to not Utah to B- to BYU in the uh, WCC final, but they ended up winning that game by double digits anyway, you know? Um, yeah. But again, it doesn't matter with this team. They're inevitable. They're just inevitable. It's incredible how good they are, how good, not only how much talent they have, but just the chemistry they have offensively and the connectivity and the ball movement and the off ball movement. It's almost like, it's like the Russian, like 1980 Russian national team, just, you know, like in hockey, you know, it's right. like, the, like, yeah, the Soviets, <laughs> it's like watching the Soviets in hockey almost. It's incredible. I mean, you have the, you have the believability and confidence factor of UCLA. You have the talent and the scoring ability of Baylor and you have the coaching of Houston. Anyone. I mean, you look at the three remaining teams, they've got it all. Yeah. So. Mark few has created a blue blood in Gonzaga and it's really incredible. And I mean, it's, it is in a, in a weird way. And it's kind of a throwback tournament for it. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. Houston, I mean, five slam a jamma, like memories of that are coming back. Um, I mean, Baylor doesn't have a ton of history. They're like the one team that really has absolutely no history. I mean, Gonzaga has been, you know, a, just an incredible program since Mark Few has taken over there. And then UCLA, I mean, there's you know, decades of history at UCLA, of course. So I, it's, it's really, it, it, it's a really interesting group of four teams and I'm really looking forward to uh, what's going to happen this Saturday. Um, but I mean, I would ask you to make predictions, but like it's, it's Gonzaga versus the field. And uh, we both think it's going to be Gonzaga beating Baylor, right? And yeah, I, I think I think so. And you know what? I will say for as busted as my bracket looks, I still have that. You know, I I thought it was going to be Gonzaga over Baylor from the beginning and all the other madness aside, it still might very well be Gonzaga over Baylor. But I, I had Gonzaga over Illinois. And oh, rip that here. Yeah. Unfortunate. I loved Illinois. <laughs> I did too, um, man. But you know what? Loyal Chicago going to Loyal Chicago. Go Ramblers. Yeah, yeah. And then the Loyal Chicago lost at Oregon State. This tournament was really hectic. What do you it was, it was hectic. And, well, and I'm just glad we got a double digit seed in the final four because I hate it when the, I hate it when all the chaos happens and then the dust settles and it's like, all right, cool. We got a one seed, a two seed, a three seed, and a one seed. Let's do it. I'm like, all right, well, that was pointless. We just wasted our time for two weeks. Interesting. Interesting how you look at it that way. I want the good teams to be in the final four. You know what I mean? Like, give me the good, give me the top teams in the final four. Like, I would prefer if Illinois and Alabama were in this instead, personally, because I, we would get amazing games in the final four. Maybe. You know? Like Alabama versus Gonzaga, like sign me up, man. Like that would have been fun. 
right? Given Alabama's perimeter defense and their energy and their length, that, that, that could have been a really interesting matchup. And then Baylor versus Illinois, like, don't get me started. I mean, Dusunmu against like, would be a big problem for Baylor. And then on the other end, I, I think Baylor's perimeter play and athleticism could, um, I mean, they're kind of like their strength and size in the perimeter could give that kind of that, that's that slider Illinois team some problems. So I was looking forward to that potentially happening because that was my final four. And, and, and you know, we get UCLA instead, which is really fun and credits to UCLA. And they're probably better than an 11 seed, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Right. Like this isn't VCU. This isn't Loyola Chicago. Like this is a UCLA team that we went into the season pr- projecting them to be a tournament team to be probably around a five or a six seed when the dust, uh, when the season ended, but I mean, we had, they, they had the Chris Smith injury. They didn't win a ton of big games in the PAC 12 tournament. So they ended up slotting in at that, in at that 11 seed. So, but again, like credit to them though, they, they, they've still proven us all wrong and they're here in the final four, which I cannot believe, but March madness, right? March madness, going March madness. It certainly, yep. That's, that's how, that's how it goes. <laughs> um yeah tyler this is all i got uh for for this march man this episode when you only really have four teams to talk about you can only go so long i guess um but uh i will we, i do want to talk about uh, the champions league with you very soon either on your podcast or on my podcast and we're gonna yep. figure that out um uh over the next few days i imagine and uh yeah it was it was great talking to you dude See you, yes dude. sir no good to be back awesome. on and uh yeah certainly man uh quarterfinal action starting up on uh on monday so we'll have to uh we'll have to talk soon about that go chelsea of course do you, uh, do you glad have to a, see they drew porto <laughs> do you have a paramount plus account that you're, you're watching these champions league champions league games on i have a i have a streaming laptop with oh, a, oh, a access yeah. to reddit <laughs> that i'm watching these games on outing yourself on the internet like this it's okay Uh, all right thanks so much for hopping on again dude this has been awesome absolutely absolutely good to be here thank you all so much for listening to episode 32 of the cookie chronicles podcast don't forget to follow subscribe and spread the word about the show until next time thanks for listening